This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, jaded, jaded, like you anticipated. Haters gonna hate it, and yeah, it's X-rated. Love my words, get you faded. Jaded. Hey guys, we did it. Hey, welcome. Welcome to Jaded. After years and years of people telling me, you gotta do your own thing, and me being like, no, I don't want to, it's too much work. I'm here. We did it. And it's such a beautiful thing that we are here in the green room of the belly room of the world famous comedy store. How am I out of breath? I'm out of breath from talking. I've been talking to my B camera too the whole time. Welcome. Hello. It's really cool to be here because when I first got to LA, the comedy store, the belly room was the first place I ever did a set. And so it's a magical thing. Um, I moved to LA from Boston in 2008 and I was really desperate for a job and when you move out here like through Emerson you do these like abroad programs and it was so cool I got to live at the Oakwood Apartments you guys know that place Cody and Tony are in here staying silent but yeah it's this place for like divorced dads and kids in the business like I would buy drugs from kids it was cool um and (laughs) So I, I lived there and I thought it was like, I was like living the dream because I had just moved from Boston and it was freezing. I would hang out in this hot tub every night and I would read my business of acting books and I was like, I made it. <laughs> I fucking made it. And then I started getting this rash all over my arm and I was like, what's going on? So I went to the doctor and they were like, are you getting into some kind of water? And I'm like, yeah, I happen to be in a jacuzzi like almost every night. They're like, maybe stay away from it. Use this cream, whatever. Like a week goes by, I'm coming home and I walk by my jacuzzi and Ron Jeremy is in the jacuzzi. It turns out his son was like on some Disney show at the time and they were living there. So I realized that I had just been indirectly swimming with every porn star that ever existed in LA. So I'm just like sitting there just marinating in porn juice. So that was my, my, my very early LA experiences. So I'm living at the Oakwood Apartments. I'm brand new to LA and I'm really, really trying to get a job. And one of my friends is interning at National Lampoon, which at the time was like doing really well. Well, not well, like they were doing in the 80s, but like they just had a couple Paris Hilton movies come out and they were kind of getting a lot of traction on YouTube before YouTube was like a big thing. And they had a show and I ended up um, hosting it. It was me and Kato (laughs) Kalen. I don't mean to brag. But yeah, me and Kato Kalen hosted the show. And the director of the show was this kid named Sandy Danto. And he was a comedian at the time, already at the Comedy Store, working with Polly Shore. And he was like, why don't you come do stand-up? And I was like, I'd rather kill a baby. And he was like, no, just come do it, honestly. And so we came to the Comedy Store. And it was about the, around the same time as I like really started smoking California weed. you know, And um we got really high in the car and we were here to see Adam Ray, who's become a good friend of mine, but we were in the main room and I remember Adam Ray came out and then like randomly out of nowhere, Chris Rock showed up and it was just like one of the craziest nights of my life and just being in the green room and meeting everyone. And 
Um, I don't know if you guys have been to the comedy store, but there's like these swinging doors to the kitchen. I remember just swinging a door and feeling this like intense sense of familiarity. Like I had been here before and you know, I've romanticized comedy ever since I was a kid. And so it was just such a cool moment. And um, I've told these stories a million times, but it's exciting to finally get to tell it on my very own, you know? Um, but immediately I was like, I want to get a job here. And I could see all the waitresses carrying a million drinks. And I was like, no, thanks. And then I saw the bartender looking all cool. And I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> like that same day, I think I talked to the manager. There was a guy named Dean who used to manage here. And I still had a lot of confidence back then because I hadn't started stand up yet. <laughs> I was like an actress and I was like, everybody loves everyone, right? So I walked into his office and I did that thing like that really like gay girls do, like where they swing the chair around and they sit on it like this, you know? So I did one of those and I was like, I want to work here. And he's like, well, you could be a waitress. Because fun fact, Mitzi did not like um, when a lot of women worked here. She didn't like it. Um, there was like, it was mostly male dominated. No women were allowed to work the ticket booth. No women were allowed to answer phones. And wow, that seems crazy saying that now, doesn't it? Like I was not like, I, and I, and there was no part of my brain that was like, I need to change this. I was just like, follow the order, you know, and just be a part of this. And he was like, well, we already have a bartender, so we'll let you know. I'm like, okay, I'm not exaggerating you guys. I think it was the next day he called me and was like, we fired the bartender. Do you want a job? And I was like, yes, I do. Um, and I had never done stand up at the time. I had seen a lot of stand up because of Emerson. And I was like that person that heckled guy comics. Like, I hate to say that now because I hate when people heckle me at the wrong time. But I would sit in the audience and be and just like, I just wanted not every joke to be about a dumb girl. Like, I would get frustrated because I'm like, what about dumb guys? You know, and I like never felt like I was represented. I remember I went to see Arj Barker and I just gave, I was like yelling through his whole set. I'm really sorry, Arj. <laughs> I regret that. But um, I think I always just kind of wanted to do it and never had the guts. So I start bartending at the comedy out, uh, store out front. Um, it was a wild time to be at the store, man. It was dead. There was nobody coming in. There was a couple days where like we'd take mushrooms and just be like on mushrooms at work because, um, you know, what else are we going to do when there's like six people in a club that holds like thousands of people? But that was kind of how I started. And I think a week after that, I decided to do my very first stand-up set. I had no idea what I was doing, and I did a bringer show. A lot of people don't know what a bringer show is. How do I describe it? Um, you have to bring like a 1,000 people to get on stage, and the shows are super, super long because a bunch of people do it, and they all want to get up and get a chance. And If you're just starting comedy, it is a great way to start because you already have a built-in audience that's going to be supportive of you. And so I think I had like 20 people in the audience or something. And I always say this with stand-up. Your first set is fucking insane. Like, because you do it. And even if you eat shit, you did it. And so like, there's this sense of like, I survived it. I can do anything I want. Like you fly, you know, like I don't even remember. I'm sure I talked about my vagina. Um, I wish I had grown out of that, but I haven't. Um, and it was crazy Cindy show. I still remember how bad the mic smelled. Isn't that a weird memory? I remember being like, mm, the mic smells weird. And that's kind of become one of my go-tos. I just make fun of guys how bad the mic smells after they have it. But I did my first belly room show. So you do your first set and it's incredible. And then stand-up sucks for like five years. And then you're good again, like the sixth year. But it, it does really take that long. I feel like it's taken me almost 10 years to figure it out. And I still don't really 
know what the fuck I'm doing. So if I think I am, you know, I'm not really there yet. So I do my very first set here, 2008 Belly Room. I start. I ended up bartending here for four, four, five years or something, which is crazy. And so much wild stuff happened, you guys. People want to know, like, they've seen comedy store dogs and stuff, but they don't really know. Like, I mean, I've seen people have sex on stage. Yeah. If you guys haven't been to the comedy store, when it opens back up, come and just really hang late night. I hope it all comes back the way it used to be. Don Barris does a thing called the Ding Dong Show. And you guys really have to, uh, you have to check it out. But um, that's kind of like my origin story of how I started at the comedy store, I caught the bug back in 2008 and I haven't been able to drop it. I've just been chasing the dragon. That's really what it is. Like you get that taste of laughter and you get that taste of feeling like you're like connected to a bunch of strangers through experiences that are so vulnerable and close to your heart. And like when you get that first, like, oh, oh, nothing feels better. I mean, I haven't done heroin, but I have a feeling it's not as good just because you get addicted and lose your teeth and stuff. So I'll stick to comedy for now, but I don't know a little bit about me. Should we do that? Is that too, is that too presumptuous? I mean, it is my own fucking podcast. I don't even, I don't even have like, I wish I was delusionally confident to the point where I'm like, I want to talk about myself and I know people want to hear about it, but like, I'm still like, do I, should I? Um, I was born and raised in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I moved to the States when I was like 11 or 12 to Charlottesville, Virginia, And it was a traumatic experience for me. Um, I went from being in a very social country where sex isn't taboo and people dance and tits out and drugs and fun and to Charlottesville, Virginia, um, where, you know, kids were not as socialized and they were really young. My very first memory I ever had was walking into this classroom. I remember what I was wearing. I I had this little leather backpack, which my parents gave to us because like, we could get whatever we wanted after they were like, we're moving into another country. And I just had a box of crayons and a little notebook in there. That's all I had for my first day of school. And I remember this girl named, oh my God, should I say her full name? Should we bleep it? Beep, beep. It'd be fun if we bleep it. Um, Walks in, she's wearing a dress. I remember it was like a, a rose pink dress. and It was off the, her shoulder, like kind of like, you know, sloppy kids style. And she smelled me. She came up to me and was like sniffing me. And I don't know if this memory is like exaggerated from the trauma or from all the weed I smoke, but it like, it was like my earliest memory of entering Charlottesville. And it was tough because, you know, people didn't really know what Brazil was. Like they didn't really know people all the time would be like, Oh, do you, do you, do you speak Spanish? And I'd be like, it's Portuguese. (laughs) It's Portuguese. And it was just, you know, there's no other Brazilians in that place. Like there was like an Asian kid in my ESL class. He didn't speak English. It was just really hard to bond. And, I think making people laugh, the reason why I do it now comes from the trauma of not having had the language for so long. Like for like not speaking English was my trauma, right? It was like what made me feel really insecure and unincluded. And now, isn't that weird? Language is like what makes me feel included and connected to people. So it's so interesting to like have that whole like circle of life, you know? My guy was just like, why did you do that? <laughs> It's true, but it's funny thinking about that coming from Brazil, which is such a like sexy place to like Virginia, which is like just not. I mean, it's sexy for its own things. You know, like a lot of people horseback ride. That's kind of sexy if you're into grinding a horse. 
but I'm just so excited to get this started because for a long time, you know, I, I really, really, really wanted to act. I still do. Um, but I was so scared to be fully vulnerable and fully like really myself. And finally, I'm not letting the stuff that I do be my worth. You know, I want my worth to be like who I really am and the things that I do and the things I'm good at and the things I'm bad at. All t- I want to put it all together. I want people to really get to know me. So this is going to be an awesome opportunity for me to like connect to the people who like me, probably men in their 40s and 50s. That's my demographic. Or like divorced women in their 50s. That's the other people who listen to me. And just kind of get it going. We're like really free flowing, just talking. But eventually we'll have you guys asking questions and people a little more engaged and, you know, interactive. It's just so funny to be in this room, honestly, because I can't explain how many times I was just like so broken living out of my car and I would like come in here and take naps and like wash my armpits in that bathroom. <laughs> That's so sad. I would like, like Horbat style, just like rinse all my parts. It already feels like I've been talking for an hour and it's been what, four minutes? Oh my God, it's been 14 minutes and I'm like, what else do I talk about? I'm done. Um, No, I'll talk about my early days starting here at the comedy store. It was really rough because um, I bartended out front, which is like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Sunset, but for those of you who are familiar, Sunset is like kind of a dark place. And back when I used to work here, there was a lot of like crazy people who hung out at the store. I mean, that's what makes it the store, but there was this one woman who hung out here all the time. She actually was on the Howard Stern show, Blue Iris. Do you remember her? Do you ever know her? She was like this 70-year-old porn star, and she was hilarious. She had this like gravelly voice, and she had a son. I want to say his name was Bart, but he was like very homeless at the time. I don't know where he is now. I don't know if I should be saying these people's names, but this is it. Jaded. Um, I was out there in the bar, setting up the bar, and it was open, and he just walked out. And um, so I got scared and went to the back, hoping he would go away. But I come back and he had taken all the glasses from the bar and just spread them all over the front bar. And I was like, <sighs> um, all of a sudden he walks right up to me. We're like face to face at this point. And this man is like homeless. Like he's very homeless. Like he's got like a layer of like dirt and life on him. Just like he smells so bad and his nails are, you know, just like if you, if you were to like, do a sketch about a homeless guy like that's what he would look like and he grabbed me by the shirt like this and just pulled me in and at at this point we're like face to face like this and he's just holding me grabbing me you know Dean eventually came out and he like let me go but like that's kind of the stuff that was happening here it was like this really grungy dirty place and you know I had just come from being like a musical theater actor from Emerson who like was into like massage circles and breathing exercises. And now I'm at this place where people are like, Oh, your face is skinny. Like fuck off. And I was like, okay, that's, that's such an insane thing to even think about. Back then there was also a guy who hung out here all the time who had no nose. Like he was missing his nose. It was just like a hole where his nose was. He went by no face and the guy was, I wish I could say he was like a really nice guy, but he like stole my tips once. He tried to steal my tips once, which is hard when somebody like has no nose, you know, you don't want to be like, and he's an asshole on top of it. Like, come on, man. I get it. Life's been hard and nobody knew how he got his nose removed or like how he lost his nose. It was like all these rumors. Like how does no, how did no face become no face? There was so many characters who hung out here and really like, 
I'm so grateful that I got to be a part of it back then, even though, you know, the comedy store became, you know, super popular and like sold, sold out shows and everything. Like it really, like, I'm so glad that I got to be a part of it when it was like grungy and dirty. I mean, I wish I was here in the seventies when everybody was just like blowing Coke off of each other's assholes and stuff. But you know, I might've not survived that time, but it's really cool. A lot of people don't know any of the history about this place. But it used to be kind of like this mafioso club called Ciro's um, back in the 70s. And first, Mitzi Shore, um, when they bought the club, Mitzi's husband, Polly's dad, was traveling like um, with Elvis. He was Elvis's opener. Did you know that? Yeah, he was like Elvis's opener. So he was never here. So he was like, you take it over, Mitzi. Like, this is your project. She paints the whole thing black and is like, let's do it, you know. And um, the reason... The original room is one of the hardest rooms in comedy is because when they built the room, they didn't want any sound bothering Ciro's because it was like all these mafiosos and like big Hollywood types. And so they made the room soundproof. So that's literally a comics enemy because the whole reason, like if you go into a club, a lot of people don't know this, but if you go into a comedy club, you see like a brick wall and you're like, cool, there's just like a little brick wall there to make it cool environment, but it's not. The reason it's there is because you need sound and laughter to bounce off of it to fill the room. I have a theory about comedy. Laughing out loud is like having an opinion and having an opinion is difficult when you're by yourself. But if there's other people that have that same opinion with you, there's something about it that makes you you know, I don't know, like more loosened up, like more chill. So that's why I love doing music in my standup because I think it puts people at ease. They're like, okay, now I can share my opinion. Um, but that was hard to do at the comedy store because it was just like, you could feel the tension. Like when I started there, we'd do these open mics and it was like silent. Like it, eating shit and telling a bad joke there, there's nothing worse. Like it, you just feel it. It's so visceral. You could feel it in the air, how difficult it was. But there's all these little tricks. like So bounce wall is one of the big ones. Um, low ceilings is another one because there's this whole manipulation about when people feel like they're enclosed, they feel more comfortable about laughing. Short waitresses, that's another thing that people don't think about. You know, when you're having a comedy show and there's like a tall girl serving drinks, it like disrupts the whole thing. Um, low lighting. And another thing, it has to be fucking freezing. I know that's another, you would think like if you're more comfortable, you'd laugh more, but it, you got to keep people alert. So oftentimes I'd, I'd be doing stand up and I'd be like, am I catching, <laughs> do I, do I have pneumonia from this set? Like just blasting air on us. But I don't think a lot of people think about that. You know, do you ever think about that? I mean, like, it's like you never think about like what it really takes to like make the environment available for comedy to be its best. And it's just so cool to be in this club because there's all these different rooms and all these different ways that you kind of have to teach yourself to perform in order to be successful in whatever room. Um, and the belly room has always been my favorite because it's like such an intimate place um, and it's so small and there's such an energy in here. Like it's, it's hard to recreate. So it's so cool that I get to be here. I mean, think about how many people um, had sex in this room. Like we're just sitting in so much dry comedy jizz. It's like, I'm so honored. You know, that's like one of the reasons why I started working here and performing here, <laughs> not to be around comedy, just, but to be a part of like this history, you know, this like rich, beautiful history. And um, when you get to be a comic here, 
you get to go to the La Jolla Comedy Store, which is another magical place. If you guys haven't been there, when Mitzi first opened it, I was telling them the whole condo was this color blue. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. By the way, how cute is this? Have you guys ever been to the Madonna Inn? Everybody, it's a hotel room where every room is a different theme. Every room is like decorated differently. And I only bought one because I was broke and they were like four, they were like $40. And I was like, oh my God, that's all I have in the bank right now. Um, people have sets. I'm like, you're too fancy. But the whole condo was like this color and it was like a disgusting condo. They redid it and now it's really beautiful and redone and everything. But I remember just like sitting in the bed and I would masturbate and be like, oh, so many other gross people masturbated in this exact bed. And just something beautiful about that. You know what I mean? I got to add my comedy jizz to the jizz juice pool. This, this, this podcast is only about comedy jizz. So if you guys are not down with it, get out. One of my earliest jobs that I had when I moved to LA, I found a Craigslist ad <laughs> for to be um an extra in a porn and I was so excited because at the time I was working here I was so broke and a bunch of my friends went and did it and it was for a Japanese porn and I'm not exact this is horrible but it was like called like Oriental Express or something super racist horrible um we show up and it was on a set that was like a plane I don't know if you guys have ever been on a plane set but it's like a half half of it's an airplane basically cut in half and when we got there, we were late. So they had already put everybody in the seats. And so we were like extra extras. So we got to sit in the back while, while the other porn stars were like getting ready, you know? So I'm just sitting literally next to a guy on a plane getting his dick sucked and like <laughs> looking good, man, you know? And the whole storyline was like so racist thinking back on it now. And it was like, it was this woman it was a flight attendant, right? And the whole storyline is like this guy goes to grab her and then some guy rescues her and she gives him a blowjob as a reward. But Japanese porn, a lot of it, they can't show, like they can't show the genitals and they can't show like the action. So it's all blurred out and it was also silent. So she's just giving him this silent blowjob and he's just like looking forward. It was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. The next day they call us. They're like, hey, we're doing another one. Do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, of course I want to be a part of it. But the second one was on a moving bus and we were just driving around like <laughs> we're just driving around like Culver City while two people are fucking on the back of this bus. They gave us these like school schoolgirl outfits to wear, but they were like long, you know, like kind of dorky ones. And yeah, here we were sitting. Did you fart, Cheryl? Or was it me? It was you. And um, we just were on this bus driving around LA while these two people were fucking in the back. And I remember the girl was like, I gotta go. I gotta finish early because I have a I have a test tomorrow. She was going to UCLA. 
And it was just like, wow, man, you think about all the early jobs. Like if you're an early comic, just bust your ass off, do every job imaginable. I mean, it's COVID right now, so that's weird, but every story is like important for you to do, you know? Another one of my earliest jobs was I used to do bar mitzvahs, just like Tiffany. I used to do bar mitzvahs. I, Sandy, the guy who started my my career at the comedy store, he the guy who did his very first bar mitzvah <laughs> would hang out at the comedy store, and uh, he was he got me a job. Party Lane. It was called Party Lane, and I would literally just do kids bar mitzvahs. I would just take yellow jackets. Do you guys remember those? Are you too young for that? So at one point there was these speed pills that were like legal and I would just take them and be like just fucking dancing so aggressively, like just grinding on uncles. Um, and that's literally how I would make a living. I would do a bar mitzvah almost every weekend. And, um, then they became illegal and I was like, Oh, I probably shouldn't have been taking, I didn't know I was taking full speed. I thought they were just like fun caffeine pills. Um, I quit coffee three years ago and now I'm just like addicted to tea I thought it'd be funny if every episode I have like a I have a beverage that I have that I would describe today I have a shaken strawberry lemonade from Starbucks and if you guys want to do crack but you don't want to do crack I recommend this drink because it really gets you through the day and I don't know if I've introduced my co-pilot my co-star extraordinaire but this is Cheryl Aflalo Catapretta her, actually, her, her middle name is Thigh Gap because her owner before me really liked skinny girls. And so he thought it would like attract more skinny girls if you called her Thigh Gap. <laughs> I can just tell you, she used to be my friend Benji's dog. And when I told Benji that I was doing this podcast, I told him it was called Jaded. He was like, don't do that. I don't like puns. I was like, okay. <laughs> she also told me to bedazzle my mic. So not a lot of good advice going on. And... I love that we have this crusty couch. I went to Joanne's Fabrics to get this because we didn't want to do a couch yet. But eventually, if we get fans, we can buy a, like a velvet seat, you know, like more official of a thing. Right. Eventually, people will listen and we'll have like a nice velvet little diggity dick tank down and I'll like be laying down. If we buy the couch, I'll do the first episode on the couch in a bikini. That's the deal. Uh, well, maybe. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about it. Let's talk about it later. Let's circle around to that later and then see if that really works. She's all tucked in. It's very cute. Yeah, I thought I like just talk about origin stuff today, but I'm like, well, that's it. That's I'm done. Um, no, I want to talk about some of my other earlier jobs. I did a lot of catering. I don't know if you guys have ever done catering, but when I first moved to LA, I saw this show on the Food Network that was these two stoner chefs and they had their own catering company. And I thought, oh my God, those dudes are so fucking cool. So when I got to LA, I like straight up called them and was like, hi, I'm looking for a catering position. They're like, how did you find us? And I was like, I live really close. <laughs> Cause I didn't want to be like, I'm a fan from your show. And they hired me and I ended up working with them for years. And I would do these crazy parties where it would be like just me catering. Like I was the only waitress and it was like, Pam, all these huge celebrities, you know? And I saw some crazy shit. And then they ended up opening that um, restaurant Animal. Do you guys ever been there? It's, all, it's incredible. It's such a good restaurant. It's on Fairfax. But it's so funny how everything really is the circle of life. Like you never know who you're going to meet. My biggest advice to actors and like comics who are in LA, I'm like, think about your career as if you are planting seeds 
You're constantly planting seed. Every interaction, you're planting a little seed. Every person you meet, you're like, you're putting down a little seed. And eventually you get to pick some of those flowers, but not right away. They take a long time. And some might take forever. Some you might even think is dead. And you're like, I planted that little seed years ago. But I think that if you're like, currently nourishing yourself and nourishing those little seeds that you planted and putting time into helping other people versus constantly being obsessed with yourself. Those flowers eventually grow to the point where you're like, that's a fucking tree. I didn't even know I could grow a tree out of this. It took me, fuck, how long have I been? It took me 14 years to get the biggest opportunity in my life, which was the soup. So I've been trying to, um, work for E for years. I had done, you know, a million things for them, red carpet things, uh, talking head things. And right before I booked the soup, I got this opportunity to shoot a pilot with Nick Cannon. It was called Post From Your Past. And basically the show was me having different celebrities on and I would just poke fun of their social media and just like ask really, you know, like, I don't know, like really um, sensitive questions and like, you know, and he was super open. Nick was so cool. I was asking him all these questions about Mariah Carey and you know, I'm really upset because at the time I forgot that he sang that song, Gigolo. You guys remember that? I'm a gigolo. <laughs> like, and then the radio version was like, with so many, because you can say hoes. That song is legit. That should play us out if we don't get copyright issue problems. Is that song still available? Um. Anyways, so I did this thing with him and um, we basically tried to sell it to E and... um. I think they took it as almost like as an audition tape because they were like, well, come and test for this big other show we're doing. And when they said it was the soup, you guys, I like had this feeling like it's mine. And I'm never confident, by the way. Like I, the whole process of this is for me to find this like delusional confidence within myself because I'm always like, well, if you want to, if you want to, I don't know, do I want, you know, and I just knew it. And I remember doing the test and like seeing the background behind me it was the original background that they used. And I'd been watching the show since I was a kid. I mean, it was one of the shows I would watch to learn English. I think we found footage later of me like sitting down in my living room while my dad was like still smoking inside, smoking a cigarette inside. And I'm watching John Henson on TV. It's crazy. Um, and so I found out about the soup. I think I want to say it was like June of 2019. And for almost a year, we did, we like did pre-production before we started the show. I have to admit, seeing the billboard of my crotch that large on, just driving down and seeing like my camel toe that big, like I couldn't even, I couldn't even explain the feeling. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's a vain thing, but the only good part of COVID was that the billboard was supposed to be taken down like in March and it stayed up for like another, an additional like four months. And I would just like come and sit with it. Like I know girl, right? I know when I was really broke and worked here and like lived in my car and stuff, I would go to Joe's pizza late at night and they would give us a, they would give us all the pizzas that they didn't sell that day. And I would bring them to the comedy store and everybody would like share them and stuff. And so to have the billboard like right across the street from Joe's was like uh, such a moment, you know? And um, and I still didn't get on the marquee here at the comedy store. So <laughs> you got to keep planting those fucking seeds. Oh man. My, my laugh disgusts me, by the way. I don't know who likes their laugh. Like, I don't know who listens to their voice and is like, mm, soothing. Do you think anybody, maybe like, no, nobody like not even Oprah 
I feel like Oprah listens to her voice and she's like, hmm, just right. That's my Oprah impression. Mm. But eventually, hopefully, I'll get to the point where I'm like, I love my cackle and how shitty it sounds. But it's a weird time, man. I mean, people are not hanging out anymore. And it's taken me so long because, you know, I've been on this like tour of finding myself. It took me so long to one, learn English, two, learn how to do stand up, three, socialize. And now it's like, I don't get to really use any of those skills. It's such a fucked up thing. Like you work so hard for this thing and then it's gone. And then you're like, who am I? But it's, you got to read your worth from other shit. How long can we hold it on this? I've shown people before, but I actually do have a lot of tongue tricks. I know people don't know this about me, but this is like me opening up. Should I show them? Okay. <clears throat> I hope my cleanest tongue. I'm a scraper. By the way, if you don't scrape your tongue, like don't even fucking come near me, dude. Okay. Scraping is part of li- like, you got to wake up. You got to scrape that shit off of it. They say that you get less sick when that happens. Cause you don't have like bacteria just like roasting on your tongue. Also clean your dicks, like smelly dicks. Like what's up with that? What's up with that? That frustrates me because like, if I'm going to serve you something, I'm going to taste it first. And you're just serving me a dirty dick. Like, that's not good. Um, wait, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. Tongue tricks. <laughs> okay. So this is the first one. It's classic. Everybody does it. Uh, uh, side to side. Easy peasy. Everyone does it. We got one of these. Oh, I just touched the mic, but don't worry. It's my personal one. And I, I wipe it, um, after I put it in my butt, but I, um, you can do that. And then this one, the fold, and then they start to get a little weirder. I think that's like a clove. And then this one is the one that people are like, whoa. And people are like, sexy. What can you do with that? I'm like, absolutely nothing. I've tried. Can you imagine you walk in and I'm just like trying to do this? And so I'm just like, uh-huh. <laughs> is it working, baby? <laughs> I hate that I'm making myself laugh. That's so cheesy. I always watch people's podcasts. I'm like, it's not that funny. Why are you laughing? And I think it's because I feel so awkward. Like it's, it's, it's hard for me to take up space, which is so weird. You know, like it's, I don't even know where to go from that. I've been talking now for 20, 30. Okay. That feels pretty good. 36 minutes feels good. You know, it's so fun to be up here because there's all these like secret little nooks at the comedy store. Like, have you been in there? There's like a little wall that you go and you can see all of the main room. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. After we come out of COVID, I've been seeing a lot of people post that it's going to be like the roaring 20s again. I hope not because if it's, I did a 1920s themed birthday party the other day and I wore like like a kind of like a silver kind of head condom hat. I had a headache for like three days after. It might have been because I drank two glasses of wine and I'm 37 now. And honestly, like I get more hungover from the food that I eat than the alcohol. I can't handle anything anymore. I used to be able to chug vodka straight out of an Nalgene and just live with a UTI for like a week. Now I'm like, <laughs> I have a paper cut. I can't go out. By the way, how fabulous do these nails look? I'm like, having nails is the best thing, but it really does split me in two. Cause there's that part of me that's like, nails are sick. Like that's the straight part of me. And then the gay part of me is like, I cannot masturbate as hard as I need to or want to with these nails. Like I'm literally, 
I need to have insurance <laughs> with these. I feel like I could really hurt myself. When I watch porn that's like girls with long nails, I'm like, I don't believe it. Because then you have to do this. Who likes masturbating like this? Nobody. Nobody. No one. No one. Zip. Zada. Years later, after I lived at the Oakwood Apartments, by the way, I met Ron Jeremy, like briefly, like passing through. And I asked him if he remembered that hot tub. He had no memory of it, which makes me think that he probably had drunk sex in there and forgot. I'll tell you guys a little story just and I'll end it there. I'll always do it like a little story of the day. Um, I went to the gynecologist the other day. Don't worry. This isn't gross. I could already feel the guys in the room like, yeah. And so I went to my gyno's office and I love going there because she is very knowledgeable about discharge and good for her. And um, so I walk, she walks in and right away she walks in with like another nurse. And you know, isn't that uncomfortable when doctors do that without telling you? Like there's just an extra person in there training. Like all of a sudden my vagina is like the practice vagina. Like I'm, I'm the practice dummy. Like, isn't there like some kind of fleshlight that she can practice on? Like she has to do a real live vagina. So right away I'm like strike one. This is so uncomfortable. Like she's coming in with another person. So then the lady's getting in there and she's kind of having trouble. So I want to like, you know, make her loosen up. So I go, what is it too tight? You know, hoping she'd be like, haha, you know, and she's like, oh no, no, not at all. I'm just very new to this. She shuts it down. She says, not at all. She says, not at all. I'm like, okay, strike two. Okay. We're like, you can't, you can't even play along with my joke about my vagina being tight. What's up with you? So then it's time for the breast exam and they are all of a sudden I'm just like laying back like this and they're both massaging my boobs. And that's when I was like, I should have had more threesomes before COVID hit. I should have done it. I should have really gotten myself out there and just, if it was fun to have like two nurses rubbing my tits, imagine people that are doing it for sexual reasons. So I forgave her for not liking my vagina joke. And I feel like that's a great little story of like what's happening now. You know, like we're so, we crave human touch so much. It's so interesting how like we never get it. Imagine if more people were hugged. I feel like a lot of things could be prevented with human touch and like human connection. And this is what this is about. And you know what? I've gotten, I'm sorry about the pun, you guys, but honestly, life's really beaten me down lately. And it, I had an attitude shift. And so this whole thing, even though it's called jaded, it's about my journey to becoming unjaded and just like becoming excited about what I do again and like wanting to connect with you guys and really hear from you guys directly what you want to hear and what you think is funny and what you think is good. And you know, this is about us. This is about you and about me. And you know what? You don't even, you can watch this from wherever. You can watch this on the toilet. You can watch this from your bed. You can watch this. Those are the only choices. You can only watch this from the toilet or from your bed. Some people sent some questions in. One person asked a burning question, boxers or briefs? Um, briefs. I think that men's thighs are underrated. And I feel like more, if more men tan their thighs, they would be happier with themselves. Like look down right now and look at your thighs and think about how hairy and white they are. I'm just so excited to come out of COVID because we're all going to be men's thighs, just pale and hairy and <laughs> like coming out of a cast. You know, when you take your leg out of a cast and it's like smaller than the other leg and it's like, just like Dr. B Mr. Burns, Dr. Burns, Mr. Burns, like your leg is just Mr. Burns. 
I can't wait. But in the meantime, I'll take this, talk it into a mic, into a quiet room. <laughs> Nothing more validating than that. They're going to sweeten it with laughter, so it's going to sound like I was like crushing in here. But this has been really fun. I feel like I broke my, my very own sherry. I broke my own sherry. How often do you get to say that? And um, I'm really looking forward to getting to do this. So send me questions. You can send them to me on any kind of social media. You can find all my social media at Jade Catapretta, my website, Jade Catapretta. The podcast is going to be up on the Comedy Store YouTube page and my YouTube and all the Insta and all that good stuff. And you guys come on Clubhouse because maybe we'll even do the audio there. And we're always looking for suggestions. We want to grow. We want to grow together. You know what I mean? But yeah, you guys, this has been Jaded. Ciao. Jaded. Mano. Vamos ficar jadeada. Ah, vamos lá. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.